1982, Surprised by Joy, preached on Easter Sunday, April 14, 1974. And the text is taken from Matthew, the 28th chapter, and this is the first preaching of the sermon at the 845 service. 1 Corinthians 15, the third through the 19th verses. delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's the Aramaic of Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Now, if Christ is preached, as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. But if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life, we who are in Christ have only hope. We are of all men most to be pitied. Amen. On this glorious Easter morning, in this beautifully decorated, lily-filled sanctuary, with the sounds of the organ and the trumpet and the song still ringing in our ears and hearts, it's very hard for us to believe on this Easter morn that the first Easter morn was not like this, far from it. No hallelujahs, no trumpets, no lilies, no spirit of triumph. 
Now, if you read the accounts again, as you have already this morning, you'll find that that dominant note on that first Easter morn was fear, perplexity, wonderment. The disciples were filled with fear. And you can understand why. Instead of the sun on that first Easter morn, Matthew tells us that there was an earthquake. And when the angel of the Lord descended to open the tomb of the Lord and to roll away the stone, he appeared like lightning, <laughs> and his raiment white as snow. The first Easter morn was a day when women wept, men ran. Strong soldiers trembled so with fear that they appeared as dead men. It was a day when the priests and the politicians, strange bedfellows, colluded together to devise a lie. And when Easter night came, the disciples were found in a room with the doors closed, perhaps locked for fear of the Jews. Fear. That's the way it was that first Easter day, and of course what more could we expect? Because you see, Easter is one of God's surprises. Surprises which are to bring joy. But like all of God's surprises, they are intended to bring joy, they must first be preceded with fear. You read it this morning, on that first morning of the resurrection, it says the disciples were filled with joy, but before it says that, it says they were filled with fear. Fear, when God surprises us always precedes the joy. Now that's a principle of life. None of God's surprises ever came to us, no matter how joyous they eventually became, without first bringing us fear. Look at the first time that, that God really tried to surprise us by sending to earth his only begotten Son. When the angel Gabriel came unto Mary and told her that she had found favor with God and that she had been chosen to become the mother of God's Son, <laughs> the Bible says she was greatly troubled. Troubled! When Joseph, her poor engaged-to-do husband, found out about Mary's predicament, God had to send an angel to him in a dream to tell him it was all right to marry. Mary, and to fear not. You, you, you remember what happened on that night in which Jesus Christ was born? And the angel of the Lord and the great heavenly host gathered around the shepherds there out, outside of Bethlehem. And they said, I have come to bring you good news of a great joy. The scriptures say, says that the shepherds were filled with fear. <laughs> See, that's the way it always is. When God sends a blessing, surprises us, fear always proceeds 
joy. So it is in human life. Think back the last time that you were surprised. I don't care if it was at a party or with a gift or with a letter or with unexpected love. The joy came, but before the joy, wasn't there even an instant of fear? It's just about a year ago that I received a joyous letter from the president of my alma mater telling me that I was to be given an honorary degree. I'll never forget that day. Some of you remember when I opened the letter. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I had to read that letter a dozen times before I could believe it. And for several nights after, I found myself suddenly waking in the middle of the night, fearing that it was only a dream, frightened that it would not happen. See, it takes us time, doesn't it, to realize the joy that comes in God's surprises, because fear always precedes the joy. And fear, we all know, don't we? It can do horrible things. We don't need the psychiatrist to tell us that. Fear can make strong people cry. I've seen it. And that's exactly what fear did on that first Easter morn. Here's Mary Magdalene, and she comes to the open tomb, and when she finds it empty, she stands outside and weeps. Weeps from the depths of her soul. Now, if you know anything about Mary Magdalene, you know that this is not her general practice. Here is a woman who probably at one time was as hard as nails. She was an individual who for years allowed evil men to use her, and they did. And when she had changed her ways, the religious men then abused her by ridicule. But Jesus loved her, and she loved Jesus. And he was able to take that strength of that wonderful woman and make her the great person of God. And she had strength. She did what not even his disciples could do, save one. She was able to stand there on Golgotha Hill on that Black Friday, which we now call good. And she had the courage and the intestinal fortitude to stand there and to watch the sights and listen to the sounds of the death of agony from someone whom she loved. That takes strength. And yet here she is on Easter morn, standing at the tomb, weeping. Fear can make even strong people weep. And how many of us have seen people because of fear for themselves, their family, their jobs, their future, cry like a baby? Fear can make even good people lie. Which one of us here today has not told a lie? because we feared for our lives, our safety, or our families, or our reputations, or our businesses. 
That's what good people did that first Easter morn. The priests, the religious people, the politicians, they got together and they were so frightened by what had happened that they had to concoct a lie, fabricate a falsehood, a falsehood which, by the way, is still perpetrated and told throughout the world today by certain people who refuse to face the truth and who are fearful of the facts. Fear can make people want to hide. I know some people that won't come out of their homes because they're scared to death. Some people who find it very difficult to get started in the mornings because of fear. They can't understand it and know how they hate it. But still they find themselves in a crowd trying to hide. Hide from their loved ones. Hide from God. Hide from themselves. I know people who refuse to give up an evil habit because they're frightened that they will be ostracized by their friends. Yes. You see what fear can do? It can play havoc with our imaginations. Look what it did to the disciples here on Easter night, they are so frightened that they have to gather together like a bunch of frightened animals, and they close the door behind them for fear of the Jews. What a joke! <laughs> what a joke! That was nothing more than the imagination playing tricks upon themselves. They didn't have to worry about the Jews. The Jews weren't looking for them. The Jews were across town concocting a lie because they were fearful of the Romans. <laughs> the Jews weren't looking for them that night, but they thought they were. Because of the fear. Oh, fear can do horrible things to us. But it can also do wonderful things for us. And that's one of the messages of Easter. Not all fear is bad. Some of it is very good. The wisdom of the Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those people who were frightened in the presence of the resurrected Lord that first Easter day eventually found through that fear a blessing and a surprise of joy. Yes, though those disciples were frightened to death on that first Easter morn, they found the joy of knowing that their faith was not futile. You see, you have to go through the fear first before you can have the joy of knowing that your faith is not futile. As disciples, they loved Jesus. They had left families, homes, jobs, reputations to follow that young itinerant Galilean preacher. They hung on every word, and though they were slow to learn and stubborn sometimes to change, they tried their best to follow the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light, and they believed him. They changed their philosophy of living according to his teachings. And then came Good Friday. And when Jesus said from the cross, 
it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. They thought they were finished and they wished they could cut off their heads and they wished they could give up their new spirit. I'm convinced that on that silent Saturday, that's what we call the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I'm sure those individuals could have kicked themselves up one and down the other streets in Jerusalem. <coughs> Why did they be so stupid, so idealistic? Why did they believe such truth? Oh, he had good ideas about love and about justice and about forgiveness. But look where they got him. <laughs> look where they got him. To the cross. How stupid could they be to believe that a faith based upon love could work? That's what they felt on Silent Saturday and then came Easter Sunday. Then came Easter Sunday. And though they were scared to death, the resurrected Lord proved to them that their faith was not futile. And when those individuals who individually saw the Lord came, and though they expressed with their voice, I have seen the Lord, they were saying with their spirit, He's right. Jesus Christ is right. He proved it on Easter morning. He proved it. And though they were frightened to death, eventually their fear led them to the joy of knowing that their faith was not futile. And it also led them to the place where they could have the assurance that they were no longer in their sins, that their sins were forgiven. You see, those individuals who believed in Jesus, they gave up the old sacrificial system for asking for cleansing. You know, the Jewish idea was that the way you got God's forgiveness was to buy or raise some lambs or goats or turtle doves, and you bring them several times or whenever it was to the temple, and the priest would ceremonially sacrifice that animal, and the smoke would go up, and God would see it and smell it and, and would interpret this as your sins and forgive you. And now along comes this young man who says that he is the Son of God, and whoever has seen him has seen the Father. Whoever hears him hears the Father. And if you will just confess your sins unto me and turn around and repent, I will forgive you. And they, with their mouths, had confessed their sin. They had asked for forgiveness. They had tried to change believing that they were forgiven. And then came Good Friday. And this one who said that he was taking their sins back to God, he died. <laughs> and they thought their sins died with him. They thought now that their sins were further away from God than they had ever been before. They thought they were still in their sin. And I'm sure on that silent Saturday they felt guilty as all get for changing the ideas which their parents had taught them for trying to believe in, in forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And then came Easter morn. Then came Easter morn. 
And with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, though they were frightened to death at his appearance, they knew that Jesus could do what he said he would do, that he was on his way back to God with their sins, and he would be seated at the right hand of God to make intercession for them, and that he would introduce them and present them without spot or blemish before the God, the great judge of the earth, who will look at all of us on judgment day. They found, you see, though they had fear first, the joy of knowing, knowing, without any question of a doubt, that their sins were forgiven. And they knew also on that Easter morn, though they had to learn it, the same process, first fear and then joy. The joy of knowing that those who die do not perish. They saw Jesus as the one who is greater than the greatest enemy that we have. The last enemy, death. They had heard Jesus say when he was speaking once to a group of Jews, whoever keeps my saying, he shall never see death. They heard the master when in reaction to Mary or to Martha's question said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall never die. And they really believed that not only Jesus, but those who believed in Jesus would never die. Even a few nights before, they heard Jesus say, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. There's a room there for you, and I will go to prepare it. And then came Good Friday, and the innkeeper was dead. And this one who said that they would not die, he is six feet below the ground, or in the hill, wherever the tomb was. And those individuals thought, what a hoax. What promise that has no support? They really believe that those who died perish. And then came Easter morning. And then they found out that Jesus knew what he was talking about. That Jesus could do what he said he would do. There is no grave deep enough, no strong, strong enough, no death deadly enough to contain him. And on that Easter morn he gave unto them and to all who will believe the joy of knowing that he is greater than death, that he has taken the sting out of death and has taken the victory away from the grave. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And these individuals, knowing that their faith was not futile, that they were no longer in their sins and their sins were forgiven, and that the death do not perish but have everlasting life in Christ, those people later empowered by the Holy Spirit went out and turned the world upside down. They went preaching and teaching and read their sermons, read them in the Bible. They weren't teaching people how to be happy or how to get along with your husband or wife. They didn't even face the social issue too much. They preached Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, raised again, and seated on the right hand of God. That was their message. 
the church of Jesus Christ was built. They knew the joy, surprised by joy with the resurrection. Joy which came, though, only after they experienced fear. I preach this sermon to you on this Easter day because I honestly believe, and I believe I've been led by the Spirit, that there's some people here today who are frightened to death. I don't know why. They're filled with fear, or if not today, they will be in a few days. All I want to say unto you is the same thing that Jesus said to the disciples when they were frightened on that first Easter day. Fear not. Because that fear may not be an enemy. It may be a friend. That fear may not be all bad. It may be good. It may be the beginning of a surprise of joy that God has for you. Remember that. Remember that. Because, you see, Easter, ladies and gentlemen, is not supposed to be a day when we come only to church on that day and sing our hallelujahs. Now, Easter in the Christian tradition is every day and any day when God surprises us with joy. But he cannot surprise us with joy. Unless we first experience fear. So if you are frightened for some reason today, or find yourself in that situation in the next few days, you just might be on the verge of one of the greatest things that has ever happened to you. And knowing for the first time or knowing again the surprise of joy that comes with the living, present, powerful presence of God. Amen and hallelujah. Father, we come before you on this day and even the clouds start to hover over us and to hide the brilliance of the sun that we knew an hour ago, so also maybe we know now that before the sunshine of joy can come into our hearts, we must know the clouds and the darkness of fear. Help us on this Easter morning, whatever is that which we know is our own personal experience, whether it be fear or joy, that Jesus Christ is alive and he wants to surprise us even more. In honor the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be with you and your families this Easter day and forevermore. Amen.